Hello there, my friend, and welcome to the Ayurveda and Psychology podcast. I am Charlotte Skogsberg, your host for this podcast. I am enchanted to meet and to take you with me on this journey into the human psyche, viewed from the holistic approach of yoga and Ayurveda and viewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that focuses on psychology, I want to bring up a subject that's very close to my heart, let's say, and that is more so something so essential. And it's essential both um, from the psychological perspective and also from the Ayurvedic perspective. And what's interesting is that, once again, even though our understanding about this is quite recent, or let's say the, the new kind of things that we brought up to the surface around how the brain functions were already understood 5,000 years ago, even if it was understood from a different, um, let's say, or on a different um, dimension or pla plane. And what I want to talk about is habit formation or addiction, if you will, because actually your brain is hardwired for addiction. This is why it's so important to not misunderstand when we talk about addictive behavior and to think that people who have addictions are somehow weaker than others or um, have naturally an issue um, very traumatic, because actually all of us have addictions and most of us don't know what our real addictions are, because of course they're far broader than the spectrum that we're used to of the toxic products, for instance, such as alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, and then of course in the past 10 years become social media, phone, things like that. And of course, that is far from the reality. When it comes to more easily be addicted to eating cake than broccoli, the easy answer would be because cake tastes better, right? But the real answer is to go deeper into, the, into this and to understand it. So why, first of all, do we have habits? Why does the brain function this way? Well, it's a mere question of economy, I want to say. We want to save our space, our energy, because imagine if you would have to remember how to walk every morning that you wake up, remember how you put on clothes, what you need to do to eat, and even just how to drive a car, for instance, or whatever you're driving, that would 
have you exhausted and you wouldn't even have left the house yet. So when something becomes a habit, what that means is that we don't have to think about it. So we do all these things, right? And our brain, our consciousness, our present moment can be focused on something else while we're doing them. So habits are things that we learn one time and then we don't have to remember them anymore. Now this is essential for the rest of it as well. So there's obviously things that you learn that don't become a habit. What is the difference there and what basically makes a behavior become a habit? A behavior becomes a habit when the reward of the behavior is interesting enough. And we call this actually in psychology and in cognitive training, reward-based learning. And if you will, if we would bring this back to the cavemen, let's say, if we would bring this back to a time where food was not easily available to us and that our safety, like safety for our life really, was regularly um, threatened, then naturally when it was important for us that when we did something and we noticed that it had a really beneficial outcome, it was important for us that we would learn that behavior straight away. There's definitely the fact that fat and sugar sweet and fatty, were rare, right? It was rare to find. And it has a lot of energetic content, high in calories. And so when we would find that, it was essential for us to remember it. And more than that, remember where we got it. The same way that when there was an animal that was about to attack us, and we learned how to either freeze and hide or to run away, for instance, the reward for that was obviously enormous since we survived. And so we learned that as well really, really fast. So this is why our brain has, since the beginning of us, the function of reward-based learning. And a habit therefore has a trigger, and then there is the behavior, and then there's the reward. And you see this, I mean, it's not just um, humans, animals have this as well. And there's the classical, obviously, story of Pavlov and his dogs. Pavlov was um, a Russian scientist, behaviorist actually, more I should say, uh, well, both are true, who trained his dogs to salivate like dogs do when they know that they're going to get food. So when they see food, they do that. But he would train them to salivate just by hearing a bell that would always ring when the food was presented to them. And so finally, they didn't need to see the food in order to salivate. They would just hear the bell. And that's actually basically the same thing that happens. So a habit has a trigger and then that brings on then a behavior and then comes the reward. So just to take Pavlov's dogs, Obviously, the reward being the food being presented, they learned this behavior quite fast because the reward had quite a high value. The bigger the reward value, the stronger the habit becomes. And so, of course, all the behaviors that speak to our survival will quickly then become habits. 
So, of course, it includes the different relationships, let's say, we have with all kinds of food staff. But it includes also wanting to be accepted by the group and by others. And it includes anything that will diminish our levels of anxiety. Basically, anything that scares us. If we have a habit that takes the feeling of scared away, that will also naturally be the survival mode being playing a role in the in the habit which means that these reward values for all these things are really high i want to take the opportunity to mention my online program for you it's a program dedicated to healing all kinds of typical illnesses that we find in modern days from chronic fatigue anxiety digestive issues, weight gain, weight loss, insomnia, and everything in between. Now, I've put this together in a way that we assure success. Through three individual consultations with me, eight group sessions with a whole group, and educational material for you to digest whenever you can and want to. We work on healing whatever you want to heal, take care of whatever needs seem to be unmet in your organism, or even without trying to heal something specific, finding the perfect routine that works for you. If you are seeking to find more balance in your life, if you keep yo-yoing in how you're feeling physically, mentally, or emotionally, and never being able to really see how that stabilizes, then this program is for you. Get in touch with me, either through my website, yogisha.com, or send me directly an email, charlotte at yogisha.com, and we'll jump on a call to talk about it more. Thank you for listening. Back to the episode. So, one thing, though, that you need to see here as I'm describing we learn the behavior depending on the reward value. But we did learn the behavior so that we would more easily survive, right? Without having to think too much about it. It would be instinctively that we do it. That implies something else, which is why we're finding it so hard to change habits, especially bad ones. You see, we do remember the trigger and we do remember the reward as we do the behavior but the rest is not necessary for us to remember. It explains why there are things that we do that aren't very beneficial for us in the moment when we're doing them but we do them anyway because we're so attached to the reward. What do I mean by that? Well, let's take the eating of sugar and fat. Why on earth would someone who already needs to lose weight, let's say, keep eating fat and sugar in high quantities, even though they know that it's not good for them? Because actually, the only thing that exists in the feeling part of themselves is the reward. 
and the behavior itself is done in an almost hypnotized state. And I'm sure you can relate to it and I'm sure you can even say that you've seen this happen with people just indulging in something, whatever it is, might not be eating. And they're not actually very present. I mean, naturally take cigarettes. Actually, cigarettes taste really bad. However, most people find it the most difficult thing to stop. Not because they so love the taste of it, because they actually don't. But they're not even aware of the taste while they're smoking. And the thing is, the reason that we got so addicted to the behavior in the first place, the reward that came, most of us are not aware of what it actually is. Because just like anything else like that, like the limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves, for instance, our rational mind can definitely think its way out of it. But that is the thing. We can't think our way out of behavior. Because the behavior or the, let's say, addiction to it, the habit, is not on the thinking level but much more on the feeling level. And this is why we need to focus on the felt experience of the reward of the behavior instead of the behavior. Very often we see the typical of focusing on the behavior. I need to stop this, for instance. Or I need to start this as well when it comes to good habits uh, that would bring us some joy. But because that is from the rational mind, and if you will, the rational mind, the thinking mind, let's say, the, the um, prefrontal uh, cortex is much younger than the cortex and like the old brain, as we would call it. So it has very little power over what has been stored in as a habit. Which is why things like motivation and willpower are really not reliable. Especially when the trigger happens. So especially then when the trigger happens and we're kind of linking this to survival. Anything that's rational just goes straight out the window. The old brain is there and it's like, don't even bother. I need to get myself out of this situation. So no matter what that fancy thinking brain is saying, I know what I have to do in order to feel better, in order to be safe. And a few of those moments are when we are hungry, when we are angry, when we feel lonely, and when we feel tired. In these states, our organism isn't full potential, let's say, right? And so the survival mode takes over. You have to remember that when I say survival mode, of course, it does not necessarily look like it from the outside. Because someone, for instance, who's tired and who's laying on the couch all day watching movies because they're so tired because they didn't sleep last night, it doesn't seem as if they're on survival mode, right? But actually, 
think of it as your phone on really low energy levels and battery battery levels and it switches on the low battery mode that's exactly what happens in these four states hungry angry lonely tired so if we can't think ourselves out of a habit but that it's a question of the felt experience of the reward that's important what we need to do is that we need to update how good that reward feels Because actually, the one that's stored in your brain is the reward from the very first time or couple of times that you did it. So we need to update the reward value so that it actually loses its power over us. And the only way really to do that is by focusing on how it really feels in the present moment. There are studies showing that simply updating this reduces the habit itself in just 10 times using those kind of reduction of the value tools. And so how do we do that? Well, we do it with awareness, actually. Being mindful. That really is a question of mindfulness. And then once we have realized the new value, it's so much easier to replace it with something from our rational mind as well. So what do I mean by that? I mean that when I'm addicted to eating ice cream because of its reward value, and then I become very mindful so that over the next 10 times that I feel the addiction, craving and going for the ice cream, I will be extremely aware of what I'm doing and I will notice that actually it doesn't really bring that same reward that I associate with it. I don't really feel that happy that I thought I would somewhere the unconscious part of myself and then because then all of a sudden it loses its power over me it becomes so much easier to decide to let's say exchange that habit of eating the ice cream for well if it's a question of eating and we just want to do this step by step starting with having an apple instead okay listen to this since it's a question of the felt experience of the reward of the behavior. I can therefore lower the reward by focusing on what it really feels like to eat this ice cream and how I feel after eating it as well. And then my conscious and rational mind can be extremely focused as well on the pleasant experience of biting into a fresh apple eating it, tasting it, savoring it, and even more so, the joyful and empowered sensation, felt experience, that I get once I've finished my apple and I realize that I didn't indulge in my old bad habits of ice cream, but I went for the apple instead. And so all of a sudden, I can replace one habit with another because actually this mindful practice 
has brought the reward value of eating the apple instead so much higher. And why did I say when I began here that um, Ayurveda kind of knew this well? You see, there are several tools in the Ayurvedic practice that really are exactly a question of using the awareness of evaluating things in the moment. This comes down to, for instance, any of the meals all the habits we have around eating time and the fact then of putting yourself in a specific condition when you eat compared to what we tend to often do in modern days. It's the same thing with setting an intention when you're going to do something, when you're going to practice or even meditation. Okay, All of these things that are being done then with this really quality of presence are all about updating the reward value of the behaviors that we have. And then more so the fact of having a routine reinforces so much faster the new behaviors into habits. Because naturally, the more you repeat it, the faster it becomes a habit. What we really need to remember, if there's anything I want you to really remember through what I've been saying today, is that we are less addicted to the actual behavior and more addicted to the reward that seemingly it gives us. Which means that when we want to change the behavior, or stop a behavior, we should focus less on the behavior itself and more on what is the felt experience that is the reward. We use this in the program, Nourish, Balance and Thrive. And it's so fascinating to see how it changes our behaviors quite fast. Like I said as well, research has shown that 10 times using an awareness tool has already changed a habit. And even things like an Ayurvedic detox fast with Kichari, so a monodiet kind of fasting, detaches our reward value, our high reward value of different kinds of food. Which is also, of course, why afterwards we do not crave the same and we don't overeat in the same way. We live in a world that is created for addiction. In food, in what we take in from media, social media, Netflix, TV, all of that. It's made for triggering the addiction part of our brain. So we need to detox ourselves in order to liberate ourselves from it. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you 
enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember that there's a human being on the other side of your phone, of your earpods, of this microphone. And I would love to hear your thoughts on what I've been talking about. So please leave a comment. Send me a message directly if you wish. This is Charlotte. This is me. See you next time. Namaste.